0: Welcome to That Anxiety Guy, Episode 11, The Active Process. Hey, everybody, Drew here, ThatAnxietyGuy.com. As always, thanks for stopping by to listen. I do appreciate it. So before we get started, I'd like to make a quick um, announcement about last week's podcast. That would be episode 10. It wasn't actually a podcast episode. It was a video. So I am going to uh, do video from time to time as a compliment to the podcast when I think the topic warrants it and when I have the time. So uh, the video that I put up last week is on the website at thatanxietyguide.com or you can go to thatanxiety.com thatanxietyguide.com slash YouTube. And that will get you right to my YouTube channel if you want to just subscribe to the channel there. That would be awesome. Of course, while you're on the website, I have to remind you to follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Tumblr and all those places that you like to hang out. This is just a good way to stay abreast of what I have going on. So today we're going to talk about the idea of an active process. And this means that recovery from things like anxiety, panic, and agoraphobia is an active process. It requires action and activity on your part. Nothing will improve if you just sit and wait passively for something to happen. That bears repeating. Nothing will improve if you just sit and wait passively. You actually have to act. Now, when we get sick, let's say you get a a cold or a sore throat. We all get sick from time to time. We generally follow a procedure. We retreat, we rest, and we recover. Let's break that down. When you start to feel sick, you have a fever, your nose is running, you're coughing, you're obviously sick, you retreat. Right, If you work, you, you don't go into work, you take time off from work, you take time off from school. We tend to cancel things like social engagements, we skip family functions, we cancel our business meetings, and that sort of thing. And everybody understands why, because we're sick. And the next thing we do is we rest. So we retreat, we disengage from the outside world, and we rest. We put on our comfy clothes, we get a box of tissues and some orange juice and some aspirin, and we lay in bed and watch bad TV shows, or we sit on the sofa, and we rest. That's part of the process because we need to. And while that's happening, we recover. So in a couple of days, we begin to feel better. And after another day or two, we feel right back to normal, and we get back to the business of living. So we retreat, we rest, we recover, and then we get back in the game. Now, that recovery happens because we have this magical thing inside of us called an immune system. And our bodies naturally fix things through that magic, that bit of engineering that's evolved over millions of years. The thing is. There's no such mechanism when it comes to anxiety disorders. In fact, if you're going to retreat and rest, that generally means avoiding, and that can actually make it harder to recover by making the disorder even worse. When we retreat and rest, which in the case of anxiety disorders really means avoiding and escaping, we are reinforcing the mistaken belief that there's something to be afraid of and we're entrenching the anxiety disorder, the panic disorder, the agoraphobia even deeper in our lives. So it's actually the opposite. So when you, if you treat your panic situation like you do with the common cold and you retreat and rest and hope to recover, you're actually doing the opposite of what we should be doing. So too many people actually spend months or even years trapped in a life that they hate while they just wait for things to get better. And often it's a wait and and quiet desperation. And if you visit any online forums, things like Facebook groups, where the topic of discussion is things like agoraphobia and panic disorder, you'll see it on a daily basis. It's actually quite upsetting. People that post, and you could tell they are desperate. I'm tired of this. I don't want to live like this anymore. Does it ever get better? And invariably, people will chime in because we want to help each other. And people will absolutely say things like, yes, it's going to get better. It's okay. Hang in there. It's going to get better. And in reality, because I can be a little brutal sometimes, I think if you're listening to the podcast, you may know that. In reality, while that's really awesome, because it's nice to support somebody, a fellow human being in need, you want to offer that support, that moral support, and that's awesome. But in reality, telling somebody that it's going to get better without telling them what they have to do to make it better is actually doing them a bit of a disservice. So when we say things like, it's okay, it will get better, without qualifying that advice and saying what needs to be done in order for that to happen, because it will get better. There's no doubt that it can get better. It absolutely can get better, but it doesn't get better just because we say it will, right? So just saying it's going to get better and saying it's okay and stroking someone's hair and holding their hand is awesome, but that's not really telling the whole story. So yes, it can get better, but there's a reason why it will get better, and there are things that have to be done. So let me kind of remedy that right now. And I'm going to give you a little bit of foundation here. You're going to have to buy into this before we go any further. You have to believe that you are absolutely not a helpless victim of some incurable mental illness. You're not. You are not a helpless victim. So you're going to have to agree with me on that right now to get started. Everything you need to improve your situation is inside you right this very minute. It's in there. And there are steps you can take and steps you need to take to get better. And you could do it. And those steps should be taken right now, right? So you're not a helpless victim. You have all the tools you need baked into you from the factory. And there are things you could do starting right now, this very minute, listening to this podcast, that will help you begin to get better. And if I can impress upon you one thing in this episode, it will be this. Stop waiting. Just stop waiting. Waiting for time to fix you is not going to work. Like I said, there's no automatic background process going on that will somehow get you your life back if you just wait long enough. And as a matter of fact, I will repeat again that the longer you wait and the longer you engage in avoiding the world, the harder it is to get your life back. So don't rely on if I wait long enough, I'll get better. Actually, it's the opposite. The more you wait, the harder it's going to be to get better. Second, waiting until you're having a good day to act isn't really that helpful. It feels good, and it makes us feel like we're making progress, but if you are only, for instance, going to the supermarket when you're not feeling that much anxiety and you're feeling good, that's really not helping you that much. Anybody can accomplish stuff on a good day. You actually need to act on your worst days because progress happens only when you actually experience panic and anxiety without avoiding it or trying to flee from it. Now, third, waiting until you find the right method to get better is going to keep you stuck. Because, honestly, looking for the right method usually just translates into looking for a comfortable way to get better. And none really exists. We know we have to face the fear. We have to face the anxiety and the panic head-on, learn to relax into it instead of fighting it. So people who just look for one fix after another – I'm going to read this book, then this book, I'm going to try this online program, I'm going to pay this guy to tell me, I'm going to take this herb, I'm going to start drinking this, whatever. You know, you're looking for the right method of action and reality, be honest with yourself, that often means you're just looking for a comfortable way out of this and none exists. Now, I don't blame anybody for that because we're all wired to look for comfort and the easy way out. That's the way we're made. So that's normal. But you just have to look in the mirror and be really honest about that. So waiting until you find the right method is going to probably keep you stuck for even longer. And finally, waiting for someone else to fix you is also not going to work. We all need support from other human beings. But really, support and encouragement doesn't get your life back. It, it helps. It's awesome to have that. right? It's great in everybody's life. We, we want that from the people close to us, our friends and our family. So it will help you along. But by itself, support and understanding and encouragement doesn't actually do anything. You have to be putting in the work, and then you can rely on that support that you have from the people in your life to kind of propel you along. But alone, having people who understand you, accommodate you, and support you, and comfort you isn't actually getting any work done, all right? So you can't wait for someone else to fix you. You have to do it. Why do so many people resist this idea? Because I often do get some pushback on this. People resist the idea that there's work to be done. And I think it really comes down to the normal tendency of humans to avoid discomfort. Nobody wants to be uncomfortable or afraid. We we don't. Uh, But unfortunately, the work that I'm talking about, this active process of overcoming anxiety disorders, usually means doing the exact opposite of what you want to do in a scary situation. So it's not surprising that many people suffer for so long the way they do. You know, and the best example I could think of is we really admire people like policemen and firemen who run toward the danger, right? Because that seems counterintuitive. Who in their right mind runs into a burning building? Well, firefighters do, right? And we're thankful that we have them. We call them heroes and we admire their courage. And that's exactly the thing that's required of us to overcome things like panic disorder and agoraphobia. So I understand why people get stuck because you have to do the exact opposite of what most people do when they're afraid. You, you have to, most people want to flee when they're afraid. We can't flee. So this is why people get stuck for as long as they do. So what does this really mean for us? Okay, so it really means that before we can start to make forward progress, we really have to buy into this idea that there's work to do. It's an active process, and that sometimes this work is going to be difficult, really difficult, and often scary. So really, if all you're concerned with right now, and this is a normal phase to go through, if all you're really worried about is finding a way to manage your symptoms, to make your symptoms go away, then you might not necessarily be ready for this yet but if you've gone through all that already and nothing's worked for you and you're tired of living the way you're living and you're ready to make a change then i would say like put on your boots and let's go now, there are specific things that you can do starting right now to engage in the active process i'm talking about now start small right progress happens in small steps and it's it's cumulative so every little small victory adds up to the one before it or is added to the one before it and this is how we build progress so start small i'm not saying Run out and go drive 200 miles from home naked, right? That's not the idea here. So start small. And by start small, that could be as small as take a shower, get dressed, brush your hair, maybe clean your house, go and sit in your garden for a little while, take a short walk down your street, do something that you're normally afraid to do and haven't been doing. Then do it again and again and then do it again as soon as possible Then do something a little bit harder and then do that again and again and again. And you see where this is going, right? We're starting. We will begin to build your recovery by engaging in this active process. But you've got to do these things over and over and over. Now, again, I don't mean you need to run out and climb Mount Everest, but you have to do something other than what you've been doing. You have to stop waiting. If you think you need some help along the way, that's cool. Part of the active process would be start calling therapists to find one that's a good fit for you because they're all not going to be a good fit. In fact, I even have an old podcast episode on my website that, that is specifically about therapy options for panic disorder and anxiety disorder. So you should check that out. It will help. Now, above all, once you stop waiting and start acting, keep acting. Don't stop. You can't stop. No breaks, no rest, no vacations. No rewarding yourself with a day under the covers watching Netflix, at least not for the first few weeks. Right? We need to build momentum, so be tenacious and consistent in your action, especially at, at the beginning. Uh, what I would also say is you need to start looking for inspiration from others, not necessarily sympathy or understanding from others. Right? Look for inspiration. Learn from success stories. They are out there. Look for the positive. Look for things that will inspire you to act right look for people who are already doing that I could name a few places on the internet on Facebook specifically that I know of right now where people who have literally been housebound for more than a year are documenting and sharing with groups how they're getting out hey I walked to my mailbox today hey I walked down the street today and they're sharing that progress and that will inspire you so look for the success stories look for inspiration online look for inspiration from other people try and stay away from the negative if you can because the negativity is the opposite of the active process. Right? So look for the look for success stories and look for positivity. It's out there. Now, in upcoming episodes, we are going to talk about the specifics of things like cognitive behavior therapy and exposure work because that's the real heavy lifting in this active process. But at least for now, you're going to have to get your brain wrapped around the concept of this active process. And I think you're going to find that once you do, your outlook will actually change noticeably for the better. So in embracing this idea can really change your mindset and really change the way you view the, f- the path ahead of you. Suddenly, what seems like an impossible mountain to climb might not seem so impossible when you get into this. All right, so let's give it a try. All right, I'm going to start wrapping it up here because we're already at about the 15 minute mark. Again, I always appreciate you guys coming by to, to listen. Uh, it means a great deal to me. I'm going to point you back to my website as I always do at the end of every every episode, thatanxietyguide.com. You're going to find links there to my Twitter, my Facebook, YouTube. I'm even on Tumblr if that's where you like to hang out. That's cool. You're going to find a sign up form for my mailing list. You can join the mailing list so I will send out an announcements every time new episodes are released of the podcast. And you can listen to every podcast of your video right on the website. And of course, if you're on iTunes listening that way, please, if you're enjoying the podcast, and you think others may be helped by it, uh, spread the word, give us 60 seconds, give me 60 seconds, give me a, a little rating four or five stars, hopefully you'll think I warrant five stars, and take 60 seconds and write a quick review of the podcast. That's really what helps spread the word more than anything else. Okay, so I appreciate that, and uh, I'm going to leave you with the same words I leave you with every week, and that is, keep moving forward, because every step forward is a good step forward, no matter how small it may be. I will see you guys in the next episode. Take care of yourselves.